0: Hello, all of you beautiful people. Jules here for WhatCulture.com, and today I want to talk to you about video game bosses. Now, I know we have on the channel spoken about this subject in many, many different aspects, but one that we failed to cover is that basically bosses that you never got the chance to kill. I mean, after all, setting somebody up as a video game boss implies that you, the player, are going to defeat them at some point. But these guys, well, No, they just got away scot-free. Boo! Big energy boo to all of this. So, let's disappointingly get ready for a list about experiences that we never got to get. As I'm Jules, this is WhatCulture.com, and these are 8 video game bosses you never got to kill. Number 8. Seth – Tomb Raider The Last Revelation The fourth Tomb Raider game concludes with Lara Croft battling Seth, aka Set, the ancient god of deserts, storms, envy, disorder, and violence. Pretty big billing. It's not that surprising, then, that mere mortal Lara doesn't actually outright kill Seth at the end of the game. In fact, you can't even inflict any physical damage against him at all during the fight. Instead, you have to evade his powerful lightning bolts, find the amulet of Horus in the area, and after an extensive amount of platforming, finally place it inside a receptacle. This apparently seals Seth away for forevermore, but considering that the game's events are kick-started by Lara removing the amulet and unleashing him in the first place, it's hardly satisfying that the amulet is simply just put back in place for another adventurer to potentially tinker with. And what if there's an earthquake and it just falls out of its pedestal? Did you think about that? No, you didn't. And I mean, the temple is admittedly reduced to rubble by the game's end, but then again, that would also knock it back out again. I don't like this thought. I don't like it at all. Number 7, Fortune, Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty. Metal Gear Solid 2's Fortune is an especially interesting example, because though players must have spent most of the game anxiously waiting to take down Lady Luck herself, they surely had a change of heart by the end. Because you see, Fortune is the first boss encountered during the main portion of Metal Gear Solid 2, and given that she possesses the apparently supernatural ability to deflect anything you fire at her, it's a doozy of a battle. Basically, the only way to beat her is to survive. Evade her extremely powerful railgun blast for a few minutes until Vamp interrupts and you're able to hightail it the hell out of there. Though this basically repairs the player for a rematch later in the game, it never actually happens. Instead, Fortune resurfaces after the ultra-challenging fight against the Metal Gear Rays, where she learns that Revolver Ocelot killed her father and not Solid Snake as she believed. This effectively results in her turning face, using the last remnants of her abilities to deflect one more of the Rays' missiles away from our heroes, before succumbing to a gunshot wound administered by Ocelot. And in that moment, the bloodthirsty desire to Put fortune down quickly evaporates. And you know what? It's kind of brilliant at the same time, but still, I wanted to have a proper fight. Number six, Leon Bell and most of the psychopaths in Dead Rising 2. Dead Rising 2's Leon Bell is one of those video game characters that everyone loves to hate. He's a highly obnoxious motorcycle riding psychopath and reality show contestant who formerly looked up to protagonist Chuck Green. The player takes him on in the mission Meet the Contestants, with the boss fight largely consisting of smacking him with large objects while he maniacally rides his motorcycle around the area. After defeating him, you'll witness a cutscene where the demented Leon refuses to admit defeat, ultimately using his motorcycle to set himself on fire, insistently declaring himself to still be number 1 even as he burns to death yep To his credit, he doesn't let out a single scream as he crisps up, but that's probably the side effect of just being crazy and all. Worse still, it only rubs salt in the wounds of the player, because they were robbed of the opportunity to put him down themselves. But you know what? This actually applies to pretty much all of the psychopaths in this game. If you notice, they are always the ones that end up slipping, tripping, or dying, killing themselves. So you could apply this to all of it, and I guess in a way it keeps our protagonist's hands somewhat clean? I I can't really go on the moral tangent with that one, but still, it's an interesting thing to know. Out. Number five Landi Shenme 3. Landy has been the primary antagonist of the Shenmue franchise since its inception, an extremely powerful crime lord who effortlessly murders Ryo's father at the start of the original 1999 game. The villain's appearance throughout the trilogy has been ultimately sporadic at best, but fans were nevertheless excited to take on Landy in the recent and I won't do it for a third time. Shenmue 3. It's boring when I do it normally, isn't it? Even with writer-director Yu Suzuki insisting that this wasn't the end of the story, and yet many were. disappointed to discover that the final boss fight against Lan D amounts to just 30 seconds of sparring, with Ryo not landing a single hit on the ever blocking Lan D before a cutscene takes over and the villain swiftly escapes again. Though some have argued that Lan D dying at the end of Shenmue and back again would have resulted in Suzuki's vision for the series being cut short, considering that the game's mere existence is a miracle two decades in the making, a to-be-continued ending here definitely feels like a slap in the face, or as is more Accurate, a slap that is blocked straight away before a cutscene sees it avoided. God, I'm just depressed thinking about it. Number 4. Wheatley, Portal 2. Portal 2's big twist on the original formula is that, ultimately, the player spends the second half of the game reluctantly teaming up with prior antagonist GLaDOS to take down the newly installed, newly murderous personality core of Wheatley. And though the first game ended with GLaDOS's survival, fans were nevertheless hoping that they'd get to thoroughly dismantle Wheatley at the end of Portal 2. But alas, the balmy final encounter against Wheatley takes the less trod path of, well, having Chell use her portal gun to send Wheatley all the way to the moon. And hilarious post-credits scene even shows Wheatley stranded in space with only the Space Corps for company, confirming that he is in many ways condemned to live a fate worse than death, even if the satisfaction of obliterating him for good would have definitely been undeniable. 3. Pyramid Head – Silent Hill 2 Pyramid Head is unquestionably the most iconic antagonist in the Silent Hill franchise, introduced in the second game as a grotesque monster which stalks protagonist James Sunderland throughout the experience. Now, these encounters are defined by the fact that the player has no conceivable means of defeating Pyramid Head, forced to either flee or simply wait until an invisible timer runs out and the monster takes its leave. But just before the game's final boss, the player is forced to face off against two Pyramid Heads at once, and given that this is deep into the end game, players would be forgiven for thinking that there might actually be a method for killing him this time, but alas, no. Once again, you just need to run around the enclosed space and unload rounds at the twosome where possible to run the timer down. Once it expires, however, they won't simply disappear, but just impale themselves to death with their own spears. For a game wholly concerned with screwing with the player's head, it's all too apt, actually, that the final encounter with the series' most terrifying antagonist is an anticlimactic troll. Thanks for that. Number 2. Ninth Sister – Star Wars Jedi – Fallen Order Though it wasn't exactly much of a surprise that players weren't able to kill Darth Vader at the end of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, there was nevertheless a collective disappointment at the outcome of the boss fight against the Ninth Sister. Given that Ninth Sister murders protagonist Cal's friend at the beginning of the game, players were practically chomping at the bit to take her down by the time that they finally faced off against her on Kashyyyk. The tricky boss fight sees Ninth Sister lose her hand, as is Star Wars tradition, and concludes with Cal force pushing her off of a ledge. Now, though this fall could have killed, her, the fact that we don't see a body and even the game's databank hints at her survival seems to confirm that she has indeed made it through. After all, Star Wars characters have come back from far worse. Hopefully she'll reappear for a rematch in the inevitable sequel where Cal can finally put her down for good. And number one, Doorman, Shadow of the Colossus. Shadow of the Colossus offers up a totally brain-breaking riff on this list topic, because though it's revealed at the end of the game that you've been killing the 16 colossi in order to bring back the mysterious and villainous entity known as Dormin, you never see Dormin die at your hand or anyone else's. More to the point, the game's final sequence sees Dormin possessing the body of Wander and transforming into a shadowy giant, effectively turning the player themselves into the final boss. The player gains control of Dormin Wander as he stomps around the temple and faces off against Lord Emon's soldiers, while the soldiers eventually manage to seal Dormin and Wonder in the temple before they're seemingly reborn in the body of a horned baby. Though the game's ending is purposefully ambiguous regarding exactly whose soul resides within the baby, there's no significant proof that Dormin is toast for good either way. After being manipulated by Dormin into killing docile creatures minding their own business for literally the entire game, it was a damn shame that we never got to avenge the fallen beasts.